0: Hello ladies and gents and welcome to Magpies Unrestricted where we'll be talking all things Newcastle United. I'm your host Chris Simpson and joining me today is Cara Thistlepoint. Hello. And I can't believe I'm saying this listeners, you're joining us, Newcastle, 8 games unbeaten now, 5 wins in their last 6 games. The Eddie Howe train just keeps on rolling.
1: We can only hope it continues, but I'm sure as we'll cover in our um, follow-ups, I have a feeling that this gravy train is going to smash into the ground later. Um, but, you know, it was a really, really good game, focusing on the Brighton match. It was an unusual game where I actually thought Newcastle, apart from the couple of minutes of well moments of brilliance, probably shouldn't have come away with the win. I feel like Brighton played really well. And kind of Newcastle went against the run of play a bit, little bit.
0: But... Yeah, Brighton really were sort of all over Newcastle um, in, in those early stages. And then I'd like say, thankfully, yeah, completely against the run of play, we sort of go up the other end and literally just bang, bang, two goals in like two minutes
1: to yeah, really sort of knock the
0: wind out of their sails.
1: It was a great breakaway from Murphy. And obviously Fraser following up there was the reason why he managed to get his goal, which, which was deserved. I do feel a bit guilty for Murphy not not just getting an assist.
0: He loves it in the post, that man. <laughs>
1: he does, he does. And um, obviously the, the header from, from Charles was also really good and it's nice to see the threat that Newcastle posed from set pieces now. Uh, and it was a lovely cross again from from Fraser. So, yeah, Lewis Dunn got, and it was a smashing header, to be yeah. fair, um, in the 55th minute. And it was—it's quite a tight one. It did feel a little bit like you know nails dug into the sideboard type thing with yeah with, with Brighton really, really chance after chance after chance.
0: It was—it was, it was definitely a, a tense second half. But I think to to come through that, I mean, you know, Brighton. Are, I know they'd obviously come into the game uh, with a couple of losses in their recent matches, but you know they're having a good season. They're one of the best passing teams in the league. And they've been a bit of a bogey team for us, actually. And this is our first Premier League win over Brighton at the tenth time of asking. So, like, we've really not done well against them, <laughs>
1: um,
0: you know, the, since they came up basically. So, yeah, the, this is the kind of game that we absolutely wouldn't have won, or um, well, let's say probably would have lost a couple of months ago. We, yeah. we would have gone ahead and then really thrown it away. So I, the I'm fact that we, yeah, no, the I fact agree. that we held on, um, is. Is a really good sign of where this team is at at the moment, um, and then some other good news as well. Like, so Max Mann was back in the team, came off the bench. Um, you know, really sort of gave them a bit of a runaround like he does, which certainly helped alleviate some of that pressure. You know, up at the other end of the pitch, just doing what he does best. Really, just keeping the ball and uh, you know making those yards up the pitch. Um, so that was. You know, it was really nice to have him back in the team, and then just it, it, again, I know we've obviously we're, we're moving clear of the bottom three. We've we're now seven points clear. That's really going to come in handy because, as you uh, alluded to before, we've got four away games in a row now. We've got some some tough fixtures coming up, and I, you th- say, I think this run of form is probably going to certainly the winning form is going to come to a bit of an end, likely in the next few matches. So the fact that we've got that buffer, we've got these points on the board now, you know, it's not job done yet, but we're we're getting closer. Because, I mean, we're on, what, 28 points now? I think probably 35 will be enough to keep us up this season. I mean, the way we're going, I'd expect us to easily hit 40, so it shouldn't be a problem. Shouldn't, he says. Mm. Fingers crossed. Um, But, yeah, getting... Just getting that extra, you know, set of three points in the bank ahead of those tough fixtures, um, I think is going to prove invaluable. Um, and yeah, I mean that form, yeah, it is worth uh, shouting out. You know, unbeaten run is now eight games, as we said. Eighteen points picked up in that time. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure Liverpool were the only team in that time that have actually picked up more. So I mean, that's uh, that really hits home. Just how good the results have been of late, um, and obviously shows why we've you know really picked up uh, position-wise. We're moving up the table. I'm not sure. I think we're still in 14th. I'm not sure we're likely to finish any higher than that because there's still that little bit of a gap with the teams above us. You know, your Leicester's, Aston Villa's, and uh, Brighton as well, of course.
1: Yeah, I think I think by the end of this two-week period. Everything will be a little bit more clear in terms of the table because it seems like there's a lot of catch-up matches, mm. um, just cropping up over the, the recent fixture lists. Um, but yeah, New- Newcastle played well. We can only hope that they probably hold on against some of the teams, which we'll talk about later. I think it could be a very interesting period. Then I think the main issue is of the fitness of your of your squad. Mm. At the moment, with the large amount of match- matches coming up, we ne- you need to make sure that your main players remain fit. And as we know, that never really happens for Newcastle, along with many other teams this season. But Newcastle have been have been especially unlucky one one of those ones that just have never been able mm. to really field a full team. And we know that there isn't the depth there. So if there is a serious issue. Yeah, you've got one or two players who can come on and off now with, with the recent signings, but it never rains, it pours, does it? So I suppose a little bit of um, pessimism is, uh, is, is, is warranted a little bit here. But yeah, it, it'll be interesting when, when it, all the dust settles to see exactly where Newcastle lie in that table, because I, I think you're right. I think Newcastle are probably going to be um, safe at the end of this season. Obviously now we've said it, that's not going to happen. <laughs> but, but you know, so yep. Yeah. let's see how it see how it flies.
0: Yeah, um, like I say, we'll, we'll go to the previews of the the upcoming games uh, shortly. But I feel so much better now that we've got those points in the you know in the bag, heading into those tricky fixtures that you know hopefully. It, the wheels don't completely fall off and,
1: yeah, the, point and the form is-
0: doesn't completely dry up. But the fact that we've got that buffer now heading into that, even if that happens, as long as it doesn't completely kill our confidence and momentum, you know, entirely to the point where, you know, we sort of basically have the end of the season is basically like the start of our season where we literally can't buy a win. As long as something extreme like that doesn't happen, um, we've really... You know, giving ourselves a great chance uh, yeah. of staying up now
1: Newcastle sort have of managed to snag those points that if you're optimistic which most Newcastle fans are hmm. but if you were optimistic at the beginning of the season you would have said these are the teams that Newcastle should get something from Yeah. Um, and now that you've managed to do that for a significant number of games now let's just let's just uh, hope that those banked banked points will uh, come through in the end
0: yeah. But um, well, that you're not
1: the weakest link.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's Norwich, but.
1: Poor <laughs> oh.
0: cool, Norwich. Um, yeah, now, unfortunately, uh, take a slightly serious turn, uh, listeners. <sighs> as I'm sure you're aware of the situation in Ukraine, um, Russia's invasion, which has been going on for about two weeks or so now. Uh, and as you may have heard last week, uh, Amanda Stavely really not reading the room regarding Roman Abramovich uh, and Russia and that whole situation.
1: All she had to do was keep her head down. (laughs) Don't pop up over the parapet. Come on. Stavily, you don't want the eye (laughs) of this turning back on you.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, she was speaking at the the Financial Times Business and Football Summit and she was uh, speaking about the Abramovich situation. Obviously, he's put Chelsea up for sale now uh, because of... Uh, the situation of possible, well, some <laughs> possible sanctions uh, against Russian people, and obviously his the his possible relationship and links with you know Vladimir Putin, uh, many of which he denies, and so on and so forth, and all the legal stuff that we have to mention. But yeah, Amanda Staveley, uh, she was. Uh, I'll, I'll just read out the quote, uh, and then you can you can make up the, your minds for yourselves, listeners. But we're always going to have geopolitical issues. This world is always going to have problems and I know it is really hard and I'm really sad today that someone is going to have a football club taken away because of a relationship they may have with someone. I don't think that is particularly fair. <laughs> I mean, just really, that is just...
1: A it, personal relationship with the individual responsible for sending Russia to war. And let's be honest about this. It is an individual, yes. Obviously, people follow, but there's a lot of propaganda going around, and as we've seen, no one really messes with Putin in Russia. No one messes with him in the world because everyone's too scared to do so. So he is the main factor behind this. Now, whatever his reasons are, that's you know for people to decide later. But the fact that somebody is a personal friend of said individual with a lot of money with assets that need to be frozen because of this current war i mean it's very very fortunate that apparently the west doesn't care about yemen enough to actually publicize the saudi's war on yemen which has been going on since 2015 and you
0: wouldn't know it by the coverage would you compared with because I'm not, cares. Say, I'm not saying that the, the extensive coverage that we've had of of the Russian invasion of Ukraine is is wrong. Of course it's not. And obviously the fact that it's on European soil obviously makes it hit on even more. But yeah, I think, and and I'll be honest, I include myself in this, until the last week or so, I was barely aware of, of what was happening. And
1: let's be brutally honest, it's because they're not white and they're not European. And the UK makes billions selling weapons to Saudi Arabia and Saudi Arabia make the UK millions. Um, so, you know, that, that's that, that's the geopolitical issues that we've got going on. Greed and greed and greed, and then nobody caring because racism, effectively.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, I mean this, uh, yeah, the sound is sort of war in Yemen, um, it's been described as the largest humanitarian disaster in the world. Um, you know, and, and I don't care about these sort of supposedly ironclad legal things. Essentially, the people that own our club. Are the ones perpetrating that? Um, So the fact that all the attention, (laughs) yeah, the fact that the majority of the attention is on Chelsea at the moment, which of course it is because of Abramovich and what have you. Chelsea fans really not covering themselves in glory either over the weekend uh, during the Ukraine tributes. But you know, I have to say, and it's it's sad to say, but I kind of feel like at, at this point, I don't have a huge amount of faith that our fans wouldn't potentially do something similar if there was a tribute to to Yemen because of what the Saudis have been doing Um, and that's really quite heartbreaking for me to to say because and I I don't have any particular reason for actually uh feeling this way beyond I think it's just human nature that you always want to think that you know your people are (laughs) are different are are better uh, as people but you know, looking at Chelsea fans, looking at Manchester City fans over the years, and as we've spoken about before, like some of the you know the way Man City fans go after journalists on Twitter and all this sort of stuff. I always, always like to think to myself, like, God, you know, if if, if Newcastle ever got taken over in a similar manner, you know, I, I bet our fans would be better than that, and we're not.
1: It's unfortunately a herd mentality behind the. And, um, What's the word? Not animosity. What's the other one? Yeah. Anonymity. When you're anonymous. Yes, yeah. Of, uh, of of the internet and of large crowds. And it's just, just unfortunately how it's going to go. But the, the even worse thing is the fact that six months after letting Saudis take over Newcastle, after this war on Ukraine, only now is the Premier League considering, not even going to, considering factoring in human rights to the owners' and directors' test, which means jackal's going to happen.
0: Yes, yeah, so and again, this also came out from the Financial Times uh, Business of Sports and At this time, it was Premier Chief Exec uh, Richard Masters who uh, was saying, you know, they're looking... Well, to so much he kind of tried to downplay it a little bit. He basically just said, like, we're looking at it again. He kind of made it out to kind of just be a pretty standard review.
1: They're literally just going to say things to placidate people. That's what it's going to be.
0: But yeah, I mean, uh, uh, on, on specifically on human rights, you said we've had some helpful conversations with Amnesty International about these kind of things. Not ready to say how it should change yet, because actually, it should be across football. It should be uh, be us, the FA and the EFL, agreeing uh, what that test should be, how it should be implemented, and how it should be communicated with fans. Um, now, obviously, we we spoke, um, you know, not long after the takeover about. Uh, you know, Amnesty International reaching out to the Premier League to, to talk to them about this sort of stuff. But, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think if, if anything does come in, better late than never. But let's make it perfectly clear, it is still far too late that you're bolting the, uh, sorry, you're, you're shutting the stable door after the horse has bolted. Cause, I uh, think they
1: did exactly what you were going to say. They've they've bolted and they're like, uh, no, let's maybe think about shutting that gate. Yeah, because,
0: you know, um. even if this comes in, they're not going to be able to apply it retroactively to Newcastle, to Chelsea. Well, I mean, let's face it, it's half the clubs in the league, but obviously Newcastle, Chelsea and City do stand out a bit in this regard. Um, so I'm not, you know, I'm not saying it's a bad thing if something like that were to come in, but then, it, you know, it's... It's too
1: late. It still needs to happen, but it, it, it is it's, it's too it, late for, for, the, for the big hitters already.
0: Like, um, I mean, you, I, I know that obviously when the, when the Premier League started in 1992, you didn't think about this. Sports washing wasn't a thing. It wasn't an idea then or anything like that. But you also sort of wonder, like, how is something as important, you know, as, as human rights, uh, uh, and we've spoken at length, you know, about some of the horrific things that the Saudis, um, you know, have perpetrated as a country, the way they treat people in the country. And then, obviously, you've got stuff like the, the murder of Jamal Khashoggi and, and things like that. And it's like, it, but just any any number of things, like, ha, how how is that not a factor? But, of course, we know the reason. It's just, do you have money? Yeah, all right, well, then you can be an owner. <laughs> you know, and then it just, it's, yeah, it's, um, yeah. And then, uh, well, you can get not away gonna, with all sorts of things.
1: Not gonna, well, yeah, I won't buy a football club.
0: I also assume you wouldn't, you know, commit human rights abuses, but, <laughs> but yes, I think you're far too sensible to, uh, to buy a football club with your money.
1: I won't buy Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> no, <I'm joking. laughs> i mean, I'm not. i now. I, I will buy any team. <laughs> um,
0: I know it seems trite now to, to pivot back to football after sort of having to talk about these more serious matters, but at the end of the day, that is what we are here for, and Know,
1: yeah please tune good, in to, <laughs> into our political podcast of why everybody sucks
0: and yeah. the world is shit
1: yeah. <laughs> society's failures um
0: which to be honest for most of our time pretty much does somewhat newcastle yeah. as well Some
1: the underlying uh baseness of human humanity and human nature
0: well yeah just to, to end the new section actually with uh again it seems trying but some some Positive Newcastle news.
1: Ryan Fraser got nominated for Player of the Month, February's Player of the Month. Though he's probably not going to get it, but damn well deserved. <laughs>
0: yeah, you know, and obviously in a way, it's almost a shame that the goal and assist, of course, that he got against Brighton won't count because they were in March. But you never know, maybe he'll get nominated in March. <laughs> um, but yeah, he scored in the 3-1 win over Everton, got that assist um, in the 2-0 win over Brentford as well. But also just more generally than that, obviously, I think without those, he probably doesn't get the nomination. But in terms of just form generally, he's just he's been one along with uh, as we've spoken about, you know, Joe Linton, Joe Willock, these other players who've really stepped up over the last sort of month, six weeks or so. He's really been one of those who's really raised his game because, well, to explain playing uh, to the level that we know he can do because
1: he, he did show at Bournemouth that he was a really you know good good player. Um, he's been everywhere I think that's the thing yeah. he's been involved in everything his defensive and attacking work rate has been immense and I think finally it's starting to pay off for him a little bit with the rest of the team clicking as well that they've finally been able to get a result out of all this hard work and you know with Trippier out it's been really really nice to see that someone else been able to step, into it, step up into those shoes there we go eventually it's almost a shame that when Trippier's back in that Fraser's probably not going to see as much game time that
0: I, I don't think his game time will be affected, um, you know, because they're not really in the same position. But just getting that delivery into the box um, is something that without Trippier is a bit of an issue. Yeah, so the fact that, it, you know, we've still got someone who can actually get the ball in to those dangerous areas who can pick out a player, I mean, obviously it's cross, as you said, for, for Fabian Share. Uh, against uh, Brighton was uh, from that free kick w- was really you know top notch delivery and actually once Trippier's back you know the idea of potentially having Fraser and Trippier down that right hand side you know that's that's going to be really good in terms of uh, delivery mm-hmm. obviously we well obviously you've got Sam Maximan on the left uh, maybe you know we can maybe step it up from left back uh, you know get See if Matt Target can try and uh, step up in you know on his say, end as well.
1: What has happened to Amaron? Yeah, he's really disappeared. Full out of favour. Um, I think. To be fair, when he's been playing this season, he's really not been good anyway.
0: Yeah, I do. I do really like Amaron, but yeah, as you said, I think his form has been lacking, and then that coupled with the fact that you know we've been. As we've seen, the 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 three regular midfield starters have been so vastly improved. Then you've got Bruno, who's um, obviously going to be ahead of him in the pecking order from the bench, and hopefully, um, you know, before too long, starting some games. We're still waiting on his first start. So yeah, there, there is there's more competition, and and yeah, he, he he needs to when he does get a chance, he needs to really sort of show what he's all about. Because I, I I do like Almar. I think that he's got a lot of potential to be a really good player for us. Uh, but of late, we haven't seen that. And I hope... To be honest, it wouldn't surprise me if if we were to move him on this summer. I hope we don't. And I think there's definitely several players who um, want clearing out well before Amron but it wouldn't surprise me too much. But I hope I'm wrong. And, and, yeah, I hope that, you know, over the next sort of three months... The, we do see him back in the short shirt performing well again and and staking his claim in the team because I mean when when you think of how well the the current midfield trio are playing, obviously throw Bruno into the mix. If you've got Almroon in there as well, all five of them really, you know, performing when they get on the pitch. You know, whichever combination of them's on the pitch.
1: He's got a little step up to him.
0: Yeah, that's that's really good. But yeah, he does he needs to he needs to try and take a leaf out of Joel Linton's book and and we're looking, even, even Shelby, dare I say it, <laughs> um, and, and and get back to the kind of player that we know he can. Because I still remember that debut he had. obviously, it was a very different Newcastle team he came into then. But just like his debut against Wolves, just how technically superior he was to all of our other well, players.
1: Well, if you compare that to his most recent game when he started, he, he's worked great jobs significantly. And... A lot Slop, of sloppy passes, really. I mean, the whole team was bad, so I'm not just saying it all on on Amoron. I think it is reflective across the board, but he didn't exactly cover himself in glory.
0: Yeah, so that's what we want to see back in the team soon, hopefully, again. A confident, you know, strong-performing Miguel Brown. Um... Yeah.
1: Well, talking about glory, we've got Southampton, Newcastle, and Chelsea, Newcastle. Obviously, both winnable games, right? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be it's going to be a tricky couple of weeks now uh, for the Magpies. So, yeah, as so you said, we're away at Southampton Wednesday, Thursday night um, and away at Chelsea on Sunday. And you know, Southampton obviously they got off to a pretty poor start. They were down, you know, near the bottom of the table with us for a couple of months. But then actually, they've since then so. really kicked on. They've been having a really pretty good season since then. In fact, actually, since. Uh, since the start of December, they've only lost three times and they've won five uh, five games in that time. Obviously, in terms of uh, most recent form, we are the team with slightly more momentum. They actually lost quite heavily to Aston Villa over the weekend. But we're going to be playing them at St Mary's and that's actually been a bit of a fortress for them this season. Yeah,
1: not lost since September. So, it's oh, Interesting thing is, I think when Southampton have a bad day, they lose quite spectacularly. Um, when they yeah. have a good day, they're very difficult. What I'm hearing is 9-0. 9-0 win. <laughs> what I'm hearing is that you bloody wish you were Chris Wood fires goals. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, if if, if one would be nice. Um, but, I mean, let's be honest, the, the massive elephant in the tiny room is is Chelsea. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's trip to Stamford Bridge on Sunday. That is going I mean, to be mean, the fact. This is
1: Stamford as well. Oh, yeah, I don't think you're going to want to watch that one.
0: Um, is that on a Sunday? Yeah, So that's on Sunday. That's no, all, all right. My
1: dad I, isn't going to watch that with you and laugh at you. So that's okay. I should hope not. Um,
0: <laughs> but yeah, I mean that. I mean, obviously, it's Chelsea. They're, they're third. They're obviously one of the best teams in the league. They've got the joint best defensive record with uh, with Man City. Obviously, although Lukaku hasn't necessarily been firing on all cylinders this season, they're still not exactly short sure of firepower at the other end. Um, and then, coupled with that, I, I you know, as I do, I, I went back and looked at our recent record, and Stamford Bridge has not <laughs> been a happy hunting ground for us. Uh, I, I, did you really
1: need to do the research to know that? <laughs> <laughs> did you want to do the research <laughs> to find out
0: <laughs> well I had a feeling and I wanted to confirm it and unfortunately <laughs> I was right we um, not a single point at Stamford Bridge for us since we did beat them in 2012 which shout out to that game that 2-0 win that remains probably the best brace I've ever seen from Papi Cissé Two absolutely ridiculous goals, but ultimately irrelevant because I think we're going to lose again. Um, here, this is it's going to be it's going to be a really tough one. Let's um, just
1: hope that momentum flows through both of those, and you can just keep something ticking over. Yes, maybe you don't get anything against Chelsea, but at least a draw against Southampton I feel is doable. As I say, though, the Saints tend to have a. We're gonna win this, or we're gonna get pumped. <laughs> so <laughs> getting a draw could be could be a misnomer, really. Um. Yeah, it's gonna be a
0: it's gonna be a difficult game, but um, it'll be interesting to see how we do. Like you so say, if we can get even just, a, as I said, just a point out of that game, that'd be a pretty strong result. And I mean, it's you know uh, that well certainly more for the fans than uh, for the players, but. Uh, a long way to go from Newcastle all the way to the south coast on, on a weekday. So, it doesn't you know, matter good what Good luck to the, the, the travelling fans there, though. I mean, that's more of an issue for the fans than the than And then the you've got, players,
1: go, then you got but, great Chelsea as well on, on Sunday,
0: so it's not not as happy
1: to be with it. Yeah, so, Let's be honest, wherever Newcastle are, they've got to travel an absolute distance <laughs> to go and see an away match.
0: Yeah, well, that's why it'll be a bit of a shame if Leeds go down, because they're actually... <laughs> You know, until maybe Borough or Sunderland or oh, Hall, so get back yes, into I've the, league. Seen
1: the league.
0: Um, you know, until they potentially start knocking around again. It, you know, there there are there aren't any, uh, you know, close by away days for for the Newcastle fans. I mean, after that, you're looking at Man United and City, and that's about three hours. So, oh. um, but yeah, so you know, we're gonna have to um, have to see how they see how they get on. And um, yeah, fingers crossed. That momentum really helps uh, carry us through and, you know, hopefully Sam Maxman will be back in the uh, starting lineup. and you never know, you know, games coming in slightly quicker succession, you know, you never know, maybe Bruno will got to start.
1: There's a lot of hopes here. A lot of hopes,
0: uh, a lot of of dreams, a lot of fears. Uh, (laughs) A lot of dreams are
1: about to be broken. (laughs) We'll just have to see how they get on.
0: In the uh, meantime, if you could please give the podcast a like and subscribe and leave us a positive review. That would be, I'm going to guess, you're going to be able to guess what I'm going to say here. That would be, be. nice. <laughs> I was actually going to say I'm such fantastic. <laughs> and until next time, this has been prize Unrestricted, and I've been your host, Chris Simpson. Thanks, Cara. No problemo. And once again, thank you, listeners. Bye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts.